0: Thanks so much for joining us on Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. One of the things I like to do here on Cranford Radio is to feature creative people from Cranford, and that can encompass a variety of creative fields. We've had clothes designers, performers, musicians, business creators. Well, today we're featuring something that we've we've done a few times in the past, an author. Joe Calicchio is an author of a book called All Strings Attached, and he's our guest today. Joe, welcome to Cranford Radio.
1: Thanks for having me, Bernie. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I just gave the title of the book, All Strings Attached. It is a novel. Why don't you give us just a little bit of a preview of what the story is about, if you would, please?
1: It follows the experiences of two brothers over the course of one summer. That summer is 2008. And that's how long ago I began writing the novel. That's how long it took me to complete. So it was contemporary when I started it. Uh, and the two brothers are ages 22 and 17. Mm-hmm. The brother who's 17 is going into his uh, senior year of high school. And because he messed up on one of his classes, uh, has to do a summer internship. Oh. And that summer internship is at a continuing care facility, which is one of those places where they've, uh, older folks go, have, uh, independent living assisted living, and then nursing care. So it follows you through there. So he's in what is a sort of intimidating foreign environment to him for the summer. Uh, His brother, uh, his name is Alex. The younger brother is Tommy. Uh, Alex is 22 years old and has just graduated college. And he sets off on one of these sort of uh, mythic American cross-country journeys of a young person discovering themselves, Jack Kerouac sort of style. Mm-hmm. So the the older brother is out in the wide open, the great wide open, and the younger brother, Tommy, is in this much more constricted environment. But they're both entirely unfamiliar to those two characters, and the, the novel follows their experiences and the, and the people they meet along the way.
0: This is not your first novel, is it?
1: No, no, it's not.
0: Were your previous novels along the same lines in terms of the style as this one is?
1: With the style, I I do think that writers tend to have a fingerprint. Mm -hmm. So that even uh, as they may feel, this one's very, you know, these novels are very different. You know, I think there's a a fingerprint or a DNA that marks them. Uh, And I think a lot of times when we really fall in love with a writer, it's that that we connect with, something about that writer's uh, sensibilities. But in terms of theme and plot, this one's kind of different for me. Um, I grew up in Jersey City uh, in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. And my previous novels, there are three of them, one, one really a novella, uh, were all set in Jersey City. And so they were all kind of localized and I knew the terrain intimately. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I knew every crack in the sidewalk, every, <laughs> every uh, steam coming out of a grate next to the dry cleaners. I just knew it so well. Uh, and I placed all three of the novels there. I mean, my feeling is that you can pretty much cover any element of uh, human experience in a, in, a sm- in a confined space. You know, you still have you have love, you have anxiety, you have hope, you have despair, you have fortune you have miss you know all the things that you would want to write about can be contained in a small area and that's what I was doing and uh, the first one I wrote the novella type and I was very young I was in my late 20s and got really good feedback on that and I, I continued to write along that vein of sticking in jersey city what I knew with and being very true to that environment with this one I've kind of The one character has gone is going cross country and the other brother has moved a few miles north up to uh, Weehawken from Jersey City. So I keep (laughs) a little a little bit of that (laughs) as kind of a security blanket.
0: (laughs) Well, one of the things I was surprised at when I was checking out this book was one of the uh, scenes you had made mention of the one brother working in a long term care facility there is an actual long-term care facility by that name in Hudson County, isn't there?
1: The way I got that name is that I had been looking for a, a name for the Order of Nuns, mm-hmm. and I was kind of scouting around. That the you know the novel changes, you know, especially when you're writing over such a long period of time as I was. And I don't know how I came across the name Bone Secours, but I wasn't familiar with there being one in Hudson County. But I know that the meaning of it was good works. Mm-hmm. In French, Bon means good deeds or good works. And I liked that a lot. And it kind of tied into kind of the M.O. of one of the other major characters. You know, the book is filled with a lot of characters, obviously, other than the two brothers. And it's her attempt to do good deeds that kind of created the name Bon Secours, which followed from that. And that character, whose name is Kathy, was really the first character that I had. So I had, I kind of initially back in 2009, I guess, uh, had two things. I had this character named Kathy, who had a very particular religious struggles she was going through and attempting to do good deeds while she was having this crisis of faith. And I had two boys who, at that time, pretty much paralleled my own two sons uh, and their their growth and their experiences. So those are the two things I started with. So the bones of Secours really came out of the intentions that that character had. But I did do some research and I found out a little bit more about of bon Secours and where their main facilities are and what their history is.
0: Most authors aren't able to make a full-time living from being authors. Tell us a bit about your day job, if you would, please, Joe. <laughs> my day job? Well,
1: my day job is, has shrunk a bit. I retired in 1985. I began teaching full-time at Hudson County Community College, which is also in Jersey City, so I didn't venture far. <laughs> um, and I was there for, full-time from 85 till the end of school term 2018. So that's uh, 33 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was as an English professor uh, at HCCC, and I continue to do that on a part-time basis now. And uh, yeah, you're right about the money-making <laughs> end of it. I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if you figured out how much money I've made in my career through writing, I'd be far better off working at McDonald's than, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got, you, know, you you get a couple of grants here and there that kind of carry you through and encourage you, but it takes a lot of good fortune to make a living as a writer. And I, I think, I know that many poets, whom I've met who are quite successful don't make their living from poetry. They're Mm -hmm. teaching full time and they probably make most of their money by doing readings. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll get invited and they'll get a few grand here and there and to supplement their income. But yeah, making money as a writer is uh, a tough task indeed.
0: (laughs) You made mention of of the grants and one of the things I want to make mention of, is that you were given the Distinguished Artist Award by, uh, well, was it the state of New Jersey that actually gave that award?
1: Yeah, they have a, a New Jersey State Council on the Arts, uh, and they administer grants. Uh, it used to be yearly, and now they have kind of a rotating cycle where it's every two or three years. I submitted something that I had written to them in, I guess it was right around 1990, and I won the award. The range at that point was $5,000 to $12,000 for individual artists. And uh, if you get, I don't know which one comes first, the $12,000, and then you become a distinguished artist or you're, you're a distinguished artist, and then you get $12,000. <laughs> but, but that's the way it worked out for me. And uh, I got another, one, another grant five years later, but not the $12,000 one. But uh, interestingly enough, it was that $12,000 grant that brought me to Cranford. My wife and I were living in Jersey City. We had one young son and we were about to have another and we wanted to move out of the city. Mm -hmm. And we had been looking around the suburbs and uh, couldn't quite afford the mortgages, which were, you know, the housing prices were not what they are today. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were still having a hard time. And then uh, finally, uh, this $12,000 dropped on us and the amount that we could afford (laughs) to to, to, to put down on a house was suddenly more viable. Uh, And so that $12,000 got us our original home in uh, Cranford, which was on Springfield Avenue.
0: Oh, wow. Well, one of the things I, as you and I were chatting via email before we uh, actually uh, did this interview, that we noticed a, a bit of an overlap was you were teaching in the same building that I once worked in yeah. for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey in Journal yes. Square in Jersey City.
1: <laughs> yeah. The public service building is what we knew it as. They kind of bounced around. Hudson County Community College doesn't have a traditional campus. Mm-hmm. It's a series of, bi- of buildings in, in a city landscape. We were in there, I guess, for about 10 years. And then uh, they booted us out because they said it was too dangerous, that basically either the building was going to collapse. Or <laughs> oh, wow. So they quickly, <laughs> they quickly got us out of there. And then once they got us out, they continued to use the building for another decade. And now it's been sold, but it's, it's going to become a significant art institution, an international art institution, that, that old building that you worked in and that I worked in.
0: Oh, wow. Well, hopefully they have uh, made it a little bit safer if they were worried about yeah, it collapsing. I hope so. I <laughs> hope so. I hope. Well, as we wrap up, let me ask, any plans for future books at this point? I, th- I think
1: there's a good chance that I'll stick with some of these characters. So we've got a mix of characters, a mix of generations, the two younger younger brothers, 17 and 22. Many of the people who work at Bon Secours and a number of the people whom Alex meets on his cross-country trip or kind of midlife people. And then uh, obviously a lot of the people who are residents of Bon Secours Continuous Care Facility are elderly. And I'm gonna be 70 in a few months. So I'm kind of, I think I've found that I tend to write my age to an extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm really quite fascinated by those older characters it may initially sound like, why are you writing about old people? Or I sometimes ask myself, isn't this going to be boring or kind of depressing? Well, if you're dealing with somebody who's 80 years old, you've got 80 years of life there. Mm-hmm. You don't just have that top layer mm-hmm. of the 80 year old person, but that 80 year old person was also a 50 year old person and was also a new parent and was also a kid graduating grammar school and frightened about going to high school. So you've got entire histories there. Mm-hmm. So what I've been thinking about is sort of revisiting some of those characters, you know, obviously changing a few things around. But that's been fascinating me quite a bit now. And also just the way we change and the way we we remain the same over time.
0: For anyone who would be interested in reading this book, we're going to have a link in the show notes where they can purchase the book online. And certainly, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me here on Cranford Radio and wish you all the success, not only with this book, but any future books you may come up with.
1: I appreciate it, Brian. It's great. uh, I appreciate the fact that you've had me here and that you're featuring uh, local artists and local business people. And uh, I just think it's terrific. I, I think it's wonderful. You know, it's like 100 years ago, if you were the best local heavyweight in the state, that meant quite a bit. But mm-hmm. now since the the media age, which is probably since TV, everything is international and the local people don't get the kind of recognition I don't think that that they deserve for their hard work and their skill. So I think all artists and people working locally appreciate what you're doing.
0: Well, well, thank you so much. And hopefully that is one of the things that we can accomplish with Cranford Radio is shining a spotlight on some of the folks from Cranford because they're are so many fascinating people. I don't even have enough time to begin to scratch the surface of all the amazing folks we have in town.
1: Well, thanks again, though, Bernie. It's really been a pleasure.
0: Well, we've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with Joe Caliccio. He is the author of All Strings Attached. Again, Joe, thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Bernie.